We behold your appearing among us in the child who sleeps in the manger. And so we ask now that you would speak to us of those gifts of this season, hope, peace, love, and joy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. In the living room of my childhood home, there was a large entertainment center, this massive piece of furniture that my dad and uncle had built one summer. And in the bottom of this entertainment center, there were three drawers where we used to keep our VHS tapes. And one of those drawers was a bunch of blank VHS tapes that we used to record things on. So for all of you young people, that was what we 90s kids had before the days of streaming was VHS tapes to record things on. And on one of those tapes, we had a recording of a Charlie Brown Christmas that we were recorded on ABC, I think, one year. And we pulled it out every year during this time. Now, I think probably everybody in this room has seen a Charlie Brown Christmas. And if you haven't, your task tonight before Santa shows up is to go home and to watch a Charlie Brown Christmas. It's only 30 minutes long, and it's a, a seminal piece of this time of year. It begins with Charlie Brown just having a hard time getting into the Christmas spirit. No matter what he does, he can't seem to feel the way he's supposed to feel or thinks he's supposed to feel in this season. He says, there must be something wrong with me. I just don't feel very Christmassy. Nothing gets him into the Christmas spirit, not the gift buying, the decorations. And to make matters worse, no one has given poor Charlie Brown a Christmas card. And so Charlie goes and he tries to find some help. He goes and seeks the advice of Lucy, who has her therapy stand. Now, I don't know who told Lucy it was a good idea for her to give other people advice, but I think the authorities should shut her down. Because to me, it amounts to malpractice. And so Charlie relays all of the problems he's having and has difficulties with the Christmas season. And she says, well, you really just need a, a Christmas project to get yourself into the Christmas spirit. I, I'm putting on a Christmas play. Maybe you could direct it. And so Charlie agrees. But even that doesn't seem to work. Everywhere he looks, he sees all of these things that are robbing him of that Christmas experience. He, he sees all the materialism, the commercialism that is so prevalent during this time of year. Uh, Lucy wants to be the Christmas queen. His dog Snoopy is decorating his doghouse to try and win money in a contest. And his sister Sally wants his help writing her Christmas list, which just gets longer and longer. At the end of it, she says to Santa Claus, well, if you can't find what I'm looking for, I'll, go, I'll use cash. Tens and twenties, please. <laughs> Nothing seems to get Charlie Brown into the Christmas spirit, right? And, and even as he directs this Christmas play that Lucy has him putting on, he can't get people to fill their roles. No one wants to be the, the wise man or the shepherds or all the characters of the nativity scene. They just want to party and dance as Schroeder plays on the piano. So finally, Charlie Brown decides he's going to go to the Christmas tree lot and find a, a Christmas tree to set the mood, right? He goes, but he finds all of the plastic and metal and the fake Christmas trees until he finds that one Christmas tree. <laughs> kind of pathetic, isn't it? And he brings it back to his friends, and his friends all make fun of him and 
and tell him what a failure he is. What great friends Charlie Brown has, right? And so finally, Charlie Brown, fed up with the whole thing, shouts out, does anybody know what Christmas is all about? Enter Linus. Sure, Charlie Brown, I know what Christmas is about. He walks out to center stage, blanket trailing behind him, and he reads those beautiful words that we just heard a few moments ago. He uses the King James, but I prefer a more contemporary translation. Now, in that, reg- in that same region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom God favors. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown, Linus says. It's indeed what Christmas is all about. Among all of the gift wrapping and the holiday lights, the Christmas trees, the cookie baking, the the pain and the heartache, the joy and the celebration of this night, that's what Christmas is all about. For you is born a Savior. The proclamation of the angels is what tonight is all about. And that's where I find myself tonight, sitting on that hillside with those shepherds outside of Bethlehem. There's lots of places we could find ourselves in the Christmas story. That's one of the things that makes it so beautiful is that we could find ourselves in lots of different positions. We could find ourselves sitting next to Mary, wondering and pondering about this night in our hearts. We could find ourselves next to Joseph as he seeks to look out for his family. We could be with the Magi as they make their way to the Christ child, searching for all of those, the longings of their hearts. Tonight, where I find myself is with those shepherds on that hillside. And they just expected a regular, normal night. There was no reason to expect anything unordinary or out of the ordinary. They're getting the sheep all ready for sleep and setting the schedule who's going to watch when, when suddenly the lights come on and there's a great multitude of the heavenly hosts standing there. And their first word to them is, don't be afraid. I appreciate that word from the angels. It seems like whenever angels show up in the Bible, their first word is, don't be afraid, which is a good word, because if that happened to me, you know I would be afraid. Don't be afraid, they say, for I bring you good news of great joy for all people. And it is good news of great joy for all people. It is a universal proclamation. It's good news for everybody, no matter who you are, where you come from, no matter your life experiences or or whatever is going on in your life. It is good news for everybody. But I would expand it even further and say it's not just good news for human beings. It's good news for the entirety of creation. It's good news for the the plants and rivers and mountains and all of the non-human life that hops and skips and jumps and flies and swims all across this creation. Good news of great joy for all people. But it strikes me in the story that this is a universal proclamation, and yet the way that God goes about it is, is first giving this message 
to the shepherds, to this small little group of people on a hillside outside of Bethlehem. Because God could have, if God wanted to, just grabbed a bullhorn and announced it to the entire world for all of us to hear. That God could have announced it in such a way that Caesar Augustus in his bed, looking over the latest census numbers, could have known that Christ was born. God could have arranged the stars in the night sky so not just the Magi could discern it, but every human being could have. God could have done what the federal government has done recently and sent a, a message to each and every one of us on our smartphones. God could have done all of that, but I wonder if any of us would have listened. It's easy to miss universal general proclamations. We pastors who make the announcements on Sunday mornings know just that. Make general announcements, and then someone says, hey, when's that event happening? It's easy to lose ourselves in these general announcements. But a personal invitation, now that grabs our attention. And I think that God knows that. This is why from since the very beginning of God's relationship with humanity, God has always first given a personal invitation rather than a universal one. It's why when God wants to channel blessings into the world, God doesn't just throw them into the world willy-nilly. But God calls this couple, Abraham and Sarah, that God binds God's self to the tiny little nation of Israel, that God calls a virgin in Nazareth in this little podunk town, it's why the, the proclamation of Christ's resurrection on Easter is not announced with edicts and trumpets, but given to the women, entrusted to the women. And it's why here on Christmas Eve, this message is first given to shepherds on that hillside outside of Bethlehem. I think God does things this way so that nobody gets lost in a universal announcement, so that we can know that this message is being spoken to us. That God is speaking to every one of us. For you, a Savior is born. This is good news of great joy for all people. Yes, for every person. But it's also good news of great joy for you. Yes, the light pierces the darkness, the darkness of poverty and warfare, but God's light pierces your own personal darkness, too. For you, a Savior has been born. Yes, God loves the whole world. But God also loves you. That's what tonight is all about. It's reminding ourselves that God is calling to each and every one of us, that God is for us and with us. I don't know how you arrive here tonight, I don't know if you show up here tonight feeling a little bit like Charlie Brown, not able to get into the Christmas spirit, wondering, what's wrong with me? Sit on the hillside for a moment. Listen to the angels as they sing, as they proclaim that message to you. For you, a Savior has been born. A Savior who from his first breath that he takes tonight to his final breath always had a place for those who are experiencing heartache and longing. For you, yes, you, Christ has been born. Maybe you show up here tonight and you are just giddy with excitement about Christmas. You've been listening to Christmas carols since the last trick-or-treater left your house on Halloween. 
The decorations have been up since November 1st, and like me, you've been drinking a chestnut praline latte from Starbucks almost every chance you get. (laughs) And you should be excited. You should experience all the joy and the wonder of this night. But before you run off tonight into all the celebration and the wonder that Christmas brings, sit on that hillside for a moment. Listen to the song of the angels. For you, yes, you, the Savior has been born. Maybe you show up here tonight for the first time. Somebody dragged you out here and said, it's Christmas Eve, we should go to church. And they made you put on uncomfortable clothing. I get it. Listen, if you're new here, I don't wear this. Ever. But I'm glad you're here tonight. Whether you've been here often or not in a long time or this is your first time, sit on the hillside and listen to the song of the angels that for you, yes, you, Christ, has been born. I don't know if you show up here tonight with lots of questions churning in your hearts or wondering about what the future is going to look like. Sit on the hillside. Listen to the angels for a moment. For you, yes, you, the Savior has been born. Listen to the angels and let them remind you of what the great theologian Karl Barth said, that that God has for all time and eternity chosen to be God for you and God with you. That God is only God as tonight happens, as a child sleeps in the manger. That for you, yes, you, Christ has been born. And that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Merry Christmas to you all. Amen.